so I haven't had a very good home life, had a lot of problems with trust and abuse and abandonment and all that fun stuff. And as I was going through middle school, I became friends with, um, I became acquainted with somebody and she introduced me to church and it was just kind of like a one-time thing that I went to go check out and it just, some kind of clicked. It was just something inside of me told me I needed to keep going back and stuff like that. And as I went through middle school and high school, I found this glow, this intense fire that just can't be put out, given to me from God, just this loving acceptance from everyone around me, from all sorts of people, even people that I haven't met. It just, it was amazing the complete difference in the way people treated me and the way I received people treating me before and after church. Um, I started going to Cross Point in middle school and it just, it gave me that place to belong when school didn't, wasn't a place to belong, home life was crappy. It just, Cross Point became the family that I didn't have. And um, so they helped, Cross Point has helped me a lot all through high school and just going through different obstacles, you know. So that burning fire that God put inside of me told me, you know, go out and share this with people who haven't had the same experiences you have. And just the abilities to connect through serving in Kid Point and through just serving in the youth group and bringing people in, just showing them that kind of love that I hadn't been shown for so long. Once I got it, it was like I had to I had to share it with everybody. It just I couldn't just keep it to myself. <laughs> so I started inviting everybody that I could, all like to um, Crosspoint and to youth group, and I just <laughs> I ended up having a very large group of people, you know, who saw something in me and wanted what I had, and <laughs> I brought them like to youth group and all that and showed them, you know, this is, there's a whole other aspect to life that most people don't get, that most people never see, that I have. I can't, like, <laughs> you, you need to see this. <laughs> um, and so um, all through high school I was a big leader and helping and just demonstrating how drastically my life has been changed. And uh, coming up to college, it's been, been different, you know. I I still go to church and stuff obviously. I still I have that fire, but it's just there's it's a completely different environment. It's almost a little frightening. So many things in your life are changing. You have to be careful not to let your morals change with that. And so it's been a little bit of a struggle, you know, just kind of being sure that, you know, I keep myself in check, but that glowing fire that can't be contained is what keeps me all in. It keeps me striving to keep going and keep sharing this fire with everybody. And that's why I'm all in.
Well, I, uh, I love to hear Sarah tell her story, and uh, it's just uh, it's uh, what we're all about here, and uh, what Crosspoint has been about been since our very beginning. Just a few weeks ago, I was uh, driving home from Miami late at night, and uh, I noticed uh, for the first time, you know those overhead digital signs, I noticed for the first time they were blinking numbers, and I quickly realized that uh, they were showing your speed. So I thought, you know, next time I come to one of those, I'm going to get up to about 90 miles an hour and uh, see if my speedometer, it was a great opportunity to make sure that my car's speedometer was correctly calibrated, right? And uh, so I got to the next sign, and uh, I wasn't really sure how fast I was going. I went by it so fast that I really couldn't, I didn't really do that. But I did think, I did think, well, that would be a great way to, to calibrate. You know what? The word calibrate probably isn't a word that you use very often, and yet we rely on equipment being properly calibrated every single day. You go to the gas station and you start pumping gas in your car. You are trusting that that gas pump has been properly calibrated and you're getting the amount of gas that you paid for. Have you, uh, how many of you have been to the new ice cream place, uh, really yogurt place uh, in Cape Coral called Minchie's? I'm not sure I'm saying it right. Now, when I, you go to Minchie's, here's how it basically works. You, know, you go in there and there are all these flavors of yogurt that you can choose from and you dispense yogurt into your cup and then there are more toppings than I've ever seen in my life things I would never even think to put on top of yogurt, and you can put all these on, and then you go over to the counter, and they, they weigh your bowl, and you pay based on the number of ounces that you have collected. Now, when I go there, I'm thinking I wish their equipment wasn't properly calibrated, that they would charge me less than the amount of ice cream I actually have. Now, proper calibration is important for gauges and meters and scales. If that's true then don't you think that proper calibration is also important for a vital part of our life, our faith? Is your faith properly calibrated? Do you trust God with every area of your life or do you trust Him with only certain parts of your life? Do you trust Him to the full extent or do you trust Him only to a certain point? If that's true, then maybe your faith isn't properly calibrated. And I want to explore over the course of the next few weeks what it would be like to calibrate our faith the way it ought to be. Timex Corporation uh, did a study. Actually, before that, I, I brought this. This is my wife's. I'm not even sure how you really use it, but um, I know the basic premise. is It's a kitchen scale. Now, I'm trusting because it's a Pampered Chef product, so I'm sure it's really good, that, uh, I, that it's properly calibrated, right? What if every one of us somehow we could squeeze out of us, figuratively speaking, all of our faith and we could somehow contain all of that faith in, in, a, in some kind of container and we took all of the faith that we would find in you or all of the faith that we would find in me and I took my faith and I put it in that container and I placed it on the scale. How would your faith measure up? How would you do now let me tell you about the Timex Corporation. They did a, a study, a survey of Americans, and they found in their study that 70% of Americans said they had no adventure in their lives in the year, five years prior to their study. No adventure. I mean, that, you know what that says to me? That says to me most of us are afraid to tear the tag off of our mattresses. We don't have adventure. Listen to what Arnold Toynbee said. He said, the spirit of a civilization is the spirit of adventure. When you remove the spirit of adventure, it begins to decay. And I think that's also true for the church. When you 
minimize adventure, you maximize boredom. But you know what? That, that was never the kind of life that God intended for us to live as Christ followers. I mean, read the Bible. It is filled with adventurous, risk-taking, heart-pounding stories. And yet, where, where's our faith today? I, I, how many of you would admit this morning that you, you wish you had a stronger faith? Yeah, and so would I. So would I. And so for the next few weeks, I want us to study together, pray together, and work together as we ask God to, to recalibrate our faith, to increase our faith. We, Peg and I were at a, a friend's house, a uh, crosspoint couple, uh, this weekend. As we were leaving, I noticed a poster on their wall, at Romans chapter 8 from the message. I want you to listen to these words. Here's what it says. It says, God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. And I love this next phrase. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? That's the kind of life God has called us to live. One that is adventurously expectant. In fact, I want, if you can put the words back up there, I want you to read that again with me, and I want you to read it out loud, okay? Read this with me. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God, what's next in my life? Father, what's next for our church? This all-in series that we're about, that we have just embarked on, is about raising the level of our faith. That's what it's all about. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to raise the level of faith. And I want to begin today by talking about faith and talking about how it is that God builds faith in our lives. Now to do that, I want to look at a story about Abraham. So if you brought your Bibles, why don't you open them to Genesis. Genesis is the very first book in the Bible, so just inside the, the front cover of your Bible. We're going to start in Genesis uh, chapter uh, 12. Now, let me tell you, we don't, we don't get a lot of background about Abraham. In fact, when we first meet Abraham, you'll notice that his name is actually Abram. And uh, that's his given name. And then later in life, as the story progresses, God actually changes his name because of a promise that God makes to him. Changes his name from Abram to Abraham. Now, we, all we get about Abram or Abraham before we jump into this story is a little bit of genealogy to know what his roots are. And then we jump right into this story. So here we go. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, here's the thing that Abraham shows us first. Our faith journey, every one of our faith journeys, begins with a dream. And it was true for Abraham. God gives Abraham a promise, a dream. He says to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. Now that's an incredible promise. <laughs> that's interesting though. 
at this point, Abraham is 75 years old when God makes this promise. And there is a little bit of a seeming problem about the promise that God makes him. Abraham at this point has no children, no sons to carry on the family's name. And yet God says to him, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. Now, can you hear the conversation that's not recorded here as Abraham responds back to God? Uh, God, you know, that, that sounds like a great thing. There is one problem. Did you forget I don't have any children? Exactly how are you going to take care of that at this point in my life? Here was Abraham's problem. I think if they had that conversation, because Abraham, if he was like us, his first thought was not about what God could do. His first thought was about what he could do by himself. And God still gives us dreams today. Dreams about what he wants us to do and the kind of impact that he wants us to have. And in any dream that He may give us, we have to recognize that it's not about what we can do. It's about what God has the capacity to do in our lives. And we need to remember that when He gives us that dream, we're talking about the kind of God that is described in the New Testament in these words. It says God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. That's the kind of God. And you know what? God's followers throughout all of history have had that kind of faith in what God is capable of doing. The kind of God who is able to do far beyond what we would dream or imagine. Think about the people in history who have had faith in His power and His love. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three guys were threatened with either, either put worshiping God or we're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. You know what they did? By their actions, they said, you know what, we, we trust God more than we trust you. Throw us in the furnace. There was Daniel who, said, who was told, you, you either bow to the king and worship him or I'm going to throw you in a, a den of lions. And by his actions, he said, I, I trust God more than I trust you. Throw me in the den of lions. There's Elijah who faced off against 450 prophets of Baal. And these guys were crazy. Thousands of people looked on as he boldly proclaimed his faith in God. Now let me ask you, where are the 75-year-olds today who demonstrate that kind of faith in their life? Where are the 40-year-olds who by their lives demonstrate that kind of confidence in God? Where are the 20 or 30-year-olds who have that kind of boldness and strength? When God gives us a dream, we have to recognize it's not about what I can do. It's about what He can do. And then we're faced with a step two, a decision. Whether or not we'll obey. Do you notice here what God asked Abram to do? He says, Abram, I, I want you to leave your family, your country, your hometown. Basically, God was saying, I want you to be willing to, to give up everything, leave behind everything that really is significant to you in your life. And Abraham had to decide. Am I going to trust me? Or am I going to listen to God? Here's what Abraham does in verse 4. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. Listen, Abraham had to decide that he was going to trust God. He was going to pack, he packs up everything that's a, that he has. He leaves behind everything that's really significant to him. 
And he follows God to only God knows where. Because he had that kind of faith. And you know what? There are moments in our lives where we have to decide who we're going to trust. Where we have to decide whether or not we really believe in the promise and the dream that God has for our lives. Are we willing to give up what's maybe significant to us? To follow that dream in faith. That kind of faith requires it requires a belief in the power and the love of God. When our leader, leader team decided to, to purchase our new campus that will become our new home in just a few weeks, we understood that that was a dream that was far too big for us to accomplish by ourselves. I mean, we knew it was a big dream that required big faith, and if God wasn't in it, there was no way it's going to happen. Absolutely no way. But we, we believe in the power of God. And here's the thing. Sometimes with our dreams, we have to decide. Because if it's, if it's just up to us, if we can accomplish it on our own, then we don't need God and we don't need faith. That was true for Abraham. His decision to make this journey, if he could have done it on his own, he didn't need God and he didn't need faith. It's great in life when we come to those moments where we face something that is far beyond our capacity to do it by ourselves, and we have to trust in God. We have to exercise our faith. Now here's the third step that happens in Abraham's life. If you move over into the chapter 16, the third step is delay. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, or Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And the text continues there. Abraham is now 86 years old. It has been 11 years since God made His promise. Since God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. 11 years. Think about that. 11 years. And still no children. Move into chapter 17, verse 17. It says, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? <clears throat> it has been 25 years now. Abraham is a hundred years old. And still nothing. Still no children. We hate waiting, don't we? I mean, I do. I hate to wait at a traffic light. I can't stand to wait in the doctor's office. I hate waiting for a repairman. But most of all, it seems we hate waiting on God. It's when we have to wait on God that we see whether or not we really believe. It's in the waiting room of life that we find out how much faith we really have and how much trust we're willing to put into God. Because for most of us, if God doesn't respond on our timetable, and our timetable is usually like about 24 hours. You know, if we pray and God doesn't answer within 24 hours, then we think, well, God's not listening, and we quit trusting. But real faith requires that I trust God even when there is delay. Because you understand that it's in delay that God often works at building our lives. It's in delay that God builds our faith. God's delay is not His denial. King David had to grow to understand that. And later, in, he would write in the Old Testament, in Psalm 24, he wrote these words, Wait patiently for the Lord. And then he gives this instruction. I think this, 
This is how we're supposed to respond while we're waiting patiently. He says, be brave and courageous. And then just in case we didn't get it the first time, he repeats himself and says, yes, wait patiently for the Lord. And that's exactly what Abraham had to do. 25 years, he waits while God delays fulfilling his promise and fulfilling Abraham's dream. But that waiting led to waiting to the waiting room. Because very soon after this, I don't think they probably had fancy birthing suites. In fact, I'm quite certain of it. And I doubt very much that Abraham was in the birthing room as Sarah gave birth to his son. I can see him pacing back and forth as he waits for word about whether his son has been born. And finally, his son Isaac is born. And I imagine there was quite a celebration in their family. God's promise had been fulfilled. Finally. God had done exactly what He had promised He would do. Abraham's dream was fulfilled, right? Well, as Lee Corso says on college game day all the time, not so fast. Not so fast. Because listen to what happens in Genesis chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. Just when it seems that God is on this path of fulfilling everything that Abraham would have desired, here's what God says in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham... Here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Step four in in the building of our faith is difficulty. Abraham's dream turns to dust. I mean, what? God ask Abraham to do is unbelievable. Unfathomable in our minds, isn't it? And you know what? When we're pursuing our dream, when God is working in our lives, there there will be moments of difficulty. I mean, there will be. There will be. They're just part of life. And they are part of how God builds faith in our lives. I heard about a couple of newlyweds. They were from Sweden, uh, Stefan and Erica. And in December of 2010, they took their honeymoon. Four months they took a honeymoon. I don't know how that works out exactly. That would have been great, wouldn't it? You know, most of us were happy if we got a week honeymoon, or maybe two weeks. Four months. But it wasn't all rosy for them. On their travels, on their honeymoon, they, they managed to go to six different cities where they experienced Six different natural disasters. No kidding. They started their honeymoon in Munich, Germany, where they, while they were there, experienced one of the most severe winter storms Europe has ever seen. When they finally could get out of Munich, they traveled to Carnes, Australia. And there in Australia, while they were there, they experienced one of the most difficult cyclones Australia has ever had. They went from there to Brisbane, and in Brisbane... There was incredible flooding. In fact, they couldn't even stay there. So they made their way to Perth where they barely escaped a raging forest fire. They got on a plane and flew to Christchurch, New Zealand. While they were in Christchurch, New Zealand, New Zealand had their 6.3 magnitude earthquake. So they got on the plane from there and they flew to Tokyo. They landed just days before Tokyo experienced their earthquake that was devastating. They finally traveled to China where there were no natural disasters and then back home. Sweden. Can you imagine? You know what? That's just a microcosm of life, isn't it? 
It sometimes, doesn't it feel like in our lives we move from one difficulty to another? And you know what? We wonder, why can't we just erase all of those? I mean, nobody wants to deal with all of those difficulties. Imagine you, there was a young couple, and they were just about to give birth to their first child, a little girl. And suppose somebody offered to them a script of their child's life. Laid out every, every major event that would happen in their child's life. And then they gave them a pen and said, you've got ten minutes, you can go through and you can erase any part of their life that you want to. And the script included some of these things. Your, your daughter will struggle with reading in elementary school and kids will make fun of her. But eventually she'll begin to learn to read and, and do well. Later in high school, she'll have a wonderful circle of friends, but her closest friend will die of cancer. She'll go off to college where she'll do very well, but in the later years of her college experience, she'll have an automobile accident and lose her leg. When she recovers, she graduates from college and goes on into the, to the workforce where she does extremely well and climbs her ladder of her career until there is an economic downturn and she loses her job. She marries a wonderful man but after some years of struggling, has to endure a very difficult separation. Now, as a parent, wouldn't you be tempted to go through and want to erase those events from her life? But if you knew what was best, you would realize as a parent that it would be in those struggles and difficulties that she would grow to become the person God intended her to be. And maybe you're tempted to think at times, why doesn't God erase the pain and the struggles in my life? It's because God understands that in those moments, He is building your faith and carving you into the person that He wants you to be. And those difficult moments, they require faith on our part to grow through them. Well, that's not the end. John Ortberg writes this. John Ortberg writes, God isn't at work producing the circumstances that I want. God is at work in bad circumstances to produce the me He wants. God is at work in the circumstances of our lives carving us into who He wants us to be. Well, the next step in this journey of faith is called deliverance. Now for Abraham... God comes to him and he says, I want you to sacrifice your son. And so Abraham very obediently packs up everything and heads off prepared to sacrifice his son on the altar. In fact, they get there and he ties his son up and he places him on an altar and he lifts a knife into the air to kill his son as God has commanded him. And here's what happens beginning in verse 12 of Genesis 22. God says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a man caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. You know what? All this time. God was preparing Abraham for a miracle. All the way up that mountain, there was no ram in sight to use as a sacrifice. And so in faith, Abraham did what God had told him. He tied up his son and he placed his son, the promise that God had made to him, his dream 
He placed it on the altar and lifted the knife. And God said, stop. I'll take care of everything. God wanted to know if Abraham was willing to put aside the thing that was most important to him to pursue God. And when Abraham was willing to release what mattered most to him, then God opened the door and poured out His blessings on Abraham. As we move forward in this all-in campaign, I think God wants to do a miracle among us. But I think before He does that miracle, He wants to know if we're willing to let go of some of the things that matter most to us. And as we contemplate making some commitments to all-in in the future, it will mean that for a lot of us, we will give up some things that really matter to us. In fact, let me give you a definition of sacrifice, one that you'll hear repeated often these next few weeks. Sacrifice is being willing to give up something I love for something or someone that I love more. That's sacrifice. You know, these, these steps of the way God builds our faith have been lived out in the story of Crosspoint. It, it started as a dream in the heart's of a few people, God said, I think I want you to go plant a healthy church in Cape Coral. And there were quite a few of us that had to decide whether or not we really could trust God and we were willing to to give up something that was comfortable to us and risk an adventure, expectantly adventurous journey with God. And quite a few of us said, yeah, we're we're all in for that, but we trust God. And along the way, there have been some delays and difficulties in a lot of our lives. And as a church, a few, just a few months ago, we, we experienced some difficulty when we learned that the cost for renting Mariner was rising exorbitantly because of the school district. And so we began to explore some other avenues, and, and it seemed like the time of delay in some ways, because every place we went, everything we explored, the door just seemed to close. And so we wondered as a staff, well, what is God up to? What is He doing? Where, where, what direction are we supposed to go? And we just kept trusting that God, that, that God knew what He was doing. And He had a plan. And when He was ready and when it was the right time, God would pull back the veil and let us see His dream. And through a series of kind of strange phone calls, somebody I didn't even really know all that well at that time, we discovered this campus that we have purchased that would become our new home. And God has given us a dream for what that campus could look like and for the kinds of things that could happen there that would touch our community and continue to allow us to be who God has called us to be. It's an exciting adventure. And God is moving through that. But here's the question I think He wants to know. He wants to know, are you willing to be all in? Because being all in is going to require some faith. This is not a time for doubt or defeat. It is time to trust in the greatness of the power of God. And over the next few weeks, we we are going to be challenged to raise $800,000 for our new campus. And I'll tell you what, that is a God-sized dream that will require incredible faith. And it requires us coming to God and saying, God, you know what? We, We believe in Your power. We trust in Your power. In fact, in our individual lives, we are counting on the fact that You're going to live out Your promise, that You're able to do more than we could ever dream or imagine because of the power, Your power, that is at work in us. So it comes a time over these next few weeks where each of us has to decide 
am I all in? Am I willing to, to trust God? Even if that would mean in my life that I have to give up some things that really matter to me, would I be willing to trust God to that level? Do I have that kind of faith? You see, these next few weeks, we'll talk some about money. But primarily, all of this experience over the next few weeks is about a faith journey. It's about whether or not we'll trust God to do something incredible in our lives. And if we will, there will be some moments, some spiritual moments in our lives that we will never forget. Because we'll see God work in ways we've never, never seen Him work. So I want to know this morning, are you all in? Are you all in for being who God has called us to be? Are you all in as Crosspoint to continue to live out our mission to connect people into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Let's pray together. God, I'm all in. I am all in. And God, I pray in my life that in these coming weeks you will grow my faith. God, you've been working in my heart and life for quite a few weeks now and asking me a whole lot of times, do you really trust me, Jeff? And God, you know the answer has sometimes been absolutely. And there have been other times, God, if I'm honest this morning, that I'm still holding on saying, I want to, I want to. God, I pray that you'd move all of us, me included, to the place where we would just totally let go. You'd help us to live these adventurously expectant lives that you've called us to. And that you'd grow our faith, God, in ways that we've never seen before. And God, you would do, you would prepare us for a miracle that we would never forget and we would celebrate the rest of our lives that would be all for your glory and your honor in this city. In Jesus' name I pray.